Hello and welcome to episode 41 of In PS We Trust, a PlayStation podcast. My name's Davey and joined with me as always is Phil. Understand that, baby. And Spencer. I don't know what I'm supposed to understand. I don't know what he's on about either, Spence. But one thing's for certain, you're tuned in to In PS We Trust. And we are going to be going through loads of stuff today. So we got an absolute smorgasbord when it comes to the news that we're going to be talking through. We got a number of rumours and we got a couple of topics which are kind of evergreen. So they're ones that you could listen back to this episode at any point in the future and you're really not going to miss too much. Now before we get into that, guys, I do want to know what you're drinking. And I want to clarify something. We did the big quiz last episode, so we all owe shots. Now, Phil, do you want to give us a roundup on where we sit in terms of these shots and what's going to happen today? Yeah, of course. And uh, I'm pretty glad you brought me in, uh, Davey, because I am champion! Second time big quiz winner on at MPS We Trust. Come on! I did kind of let you win, if I'm honest with you. The way I structured my quiz gave you a chance to bring it back when I was in such a strong position that I could have just, I could have just taken that win and run off into the sunset with it to gloat and gloat as I will continue to gloat about the fact that I could have won that quiz. But I didn't. I thought I'd make some drama. And uh, of course, it backfired immensely. Well, either way, I'll still take the win. But as a result of me winning the big quiz, I've got five shots to hand out. So guys, when we're ready to drink, you better be nice to me. Very nice. And agree with every one of my views. And of course, you guys didn't take your shots from my quiz because we recorded it on a Sunday last time. So we also have those in the mix as well. So you owe three each, I think, or is it two? So you each owe two for those questions you got wrong as well. Now, I do want to come clean with you guys. I'm riddled with COVID. So if my voice doesn't sound as musical as it normally does, if it doesn't sound as biblically awesome as my voice normally does rolling off the hills in South Wales, then I do apologise for that. I am getting through this on sheer willpower alone. And as a result of that, boys, I'm drinking Rubicon today. No alcohol for me whatsoever. If I took a shot today, I would die. I, I think I would actually die. So I'm, uh, unfortunately, guys, I'm going to have to duck out from doing any shots today and I'll roll them into next episode. But what about yourself, Spence? What are you on today? So, Davey, I'm back to my roots. And everyone knows what that means. That means I'm back on the Budweiser. God's liquid. Oh, I don't like that. But it's, it's a God-given gift, and I adore it. However, even though I am in perfect health, I will not be doing the shots I owe. I've, I know I owe two. I know that. But I won't be doing them today. Because it was my birthday this week. I turned 24. Fuck it, I don't like being 24, man. That's so close to 25. 25 is peak. I don't like it. 24 feels fine. 25. <laughs> nah, that's bad. And because it's my birthday, tomorrow, well, tomorrow day in the morning after this recording, I'm going to be getting absolutely, well, fucked, really. I'm going to be getting destroyed. So I don't want to be hungover and feel sick for that. I want to feel sick tomorrow. So maybe I'll do the shots tomorrow and record them. But we've said that in the past and it's not happened, so I don't know. That's why you, listener, should pay close attention to our Twitter. Because if there is any evidence taken from that night out, it will be on there. I'll look forward to seeing that myself. 
that's it for me, what I'm drinking or what I'm not drinking. Phil, mate, how about you? Spence, I'm joining you tonight. I'm on the Budweiser. It has quickly become my podcasting preference drink. Here it is. Here's the Budweiser. Happy birthday. And I will be out tomorrow. I'm going to keep it quiet tonight. I'm not going to, I'm going to delay my shot so I can have them um, in two weeks time with you boys. Same as you. I don't want to be completely hungover for your full day of drinking tomorrow for your birthday. Cheers, boys. So following that taste test, let's move it on to what we've been playing. This time on NPS We Trust, what have the boys been playing? So it's been two weeks since the last podcast episode, and I'm desperate to know what you guys have been up to in that time. Tradition states, we start with yourself, Spencer. And I want to know, have you finally got the platinum in Elden Ring? Well, I beat the game. I didn't think I'd get the platinum. I say, I never really planned to even get it. So I thought, once I beat this game, it's taken me... I don't even know how long the game's been out now. Almost two months. <laughs> it take, took me too long. And I wanted to beat this game more or less the week it came out. So I was a bit... Although I've adored this game and I've loved it, I wanted to put it to bed. I wanted to play something else. I put so much time and energy into this game. And then I beat the game and I thought, you know what, a platinum's not that far. <laughs> the platinum's kind of in reach, especially if I scum it a little bit, which I might have done. But I had maybe five trophies left after beating the game. And now I have zero trophies left. I've platinumed Elden Ring and it only took me 80 hours. Well done, mate. Finally getting the platinum together. That's that's an awesome result. Like you said, you started off and you had such a good start on this game. I think you clocked up like 40 hours within like the first couple of days. And then it seems to be like it's been a bit of a struggle for you to get through the rest of it. Do you feel this game has just been too long? Or do you think it was just more of a case of just your time allowance? Now, you're juggling a work and girlfriend and kind of everything else. I think it's a lengthy game anyway. It is a lengthy game. But back in day, back before I had a job and a missus, and it was just me and my PlayStation and my boys, it would have been a perfect game. It would have been the perfect length because I wouldn't have cared. I'd have spent a week on it straight and I'd have got the Platinum week one and I'd have loved it. I'd probably still be playing it because I wouldn't have anything to do. I'd be playing it for fun. My time allowance, which you mentioned, kind of made the game a bit of a chore. It's a difficult one, really, because... You know, me, me and Davey are seasoned vets with this. You know, we're, we're both in relationships. Um, we both got full-time jobs and we're used to that juggling act of, of trying to get a good amount of PlayStation time into our diaries. Davey, much more successful than myself with it. Um, I, I tend to be probably representing the casual on MPS We Trust. But now you're starting to deal with this kind of setup, Spence. And uh, yeah, you can kind of understand why maybe for four, five weeks running, I've, ta I've talked about Horizon. Bro, I'll tell you, start of this podcast, mind, I chatted shit. I came at you guns blazing. I was like, you're not playing games, mate. And then I got a job. My missus is down, nagging me to see her. But I'm not playing games. I understand. I understand. It sucks. I just want to play video games. That's all I want. That's all I've ever wanted. And it's not happening. I've got a solution for you boys. It's a solution that isn't the most traditional one. 
and certainly one I haven't seen banded around very much, but there's one difference between my position and yours. And that's that I'm married. So the difference is, as soon as you get married, you don't really want to spend much time with each other. So then you can go off and do whatever you want. You've already kind of done it all. You've got the t-shirt. You've got the ring on. You've done it. You're quite happy just checking in. You okay? Yeah, yeah. What are we having for tea tonight? Uh, is there anything you want to watch tonight? Oh, I wouldn't mind watching this on Netflix. Oh, I don't really want to watch a little bit of tat. I think I'll just play a game. Okay. And then that's it. Boom. You're off doing your own thing. You're both happy. You get back together at the end of the night. Have a cuddle. Ask about how that shit show was. And then you go to bed. And then you repeat and you just, the cycle continues, boys. And that's a happy marriage. So maybe that's all you're waiting for, lads. Maybe it's time for you to start getting down on one knee, popping the question. And at the same time, you can think while you're, while you're there at that ceremony, the happiest day of your life, you're thinking, I'm going to get so many fucking platinums this year. It's going to be out the wazoo. And that's all that's going to spur you on. What are your thoughts on that one, guys? Bro, I don't have time to get married. <laughs> if I don't have time to play games, how do you think I'm going to have time to arrange a wedding? I, I'll be on that freaking, I'll be stood there opposite her, and she'll be looking at me thinking, oh, I'm the luckiest girl in the world. And I'll be looking at her thinking, oh, Call of Duty Black Ops 5 <laughs> is at home. Or whatever the hell I'm playing at the moment. And I'll be like, man, I'm so, cl- I got two trophies left and I'm here just having to say, oh, I love you. I tell her I love you every day. <laughs> And they're making me do it in front of all these people. It's like, fam. No. <laughs> no. The advice should be dump them. <laughs> PlayStation comes first. I don't think it's legal, though, for you to, like, marry a PlayStation or certainly not socially acceptable for you to be just a hermit just playing PlayStation all the time. I can see Spencer, you know, in a couple of months, he'll be on one of those Louis Theroux documentaries about how he married his PlayStation, took her up the aisle, you know. Do you take, yes? You know, you exchange Elden Rings. I can see it now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a class joke. (laughs) That was fucking amazing. I thought you were going to, you said took her up the aisle. I I know, I was thinking that too. Straight in the Ethernet port. That's on the aisle. That'd be a tough, Ethernet port, disk drive port, that's, that's why you go physical face, though, That's basically the mouth. You know, if you're going in the arse, you're looking for the, for the back hole. It's the only one I can think of, really. You're not going to get it in an HDMI, are you? You ain't trying to get it <laughs> pregnant, bro. Oh. Might birth a couple of Vitas out. How class would that be? <laughs> I'm class, yeah, <laughs> Dear God, this is, uh, this is gone in a totally different... Yeah, this has definitely gone somewhere, that's for damn sure. So, Spence... Apart from getting your Elden Ring Platinum, have you been playing anything else? Yes. As I mentioned, it was my birthday. It was my birthday on Wednesday, uh, prior to this recording, and prior to the release of this podcast, so the week before, if you're listening, day of. And my missus, well, you guys bought me a present, and it's a present I love. It's a big statue of Bakugo from My Hero Academia, which we've mentioned on the podcast before, because there's a game coming out of it. Or maybe it came out, who fucking knows, I wasn't going to buy it. But... My missus was going to buy me the same thing, and she couldn't. So instead, she kind of panicked, didn't know what to buy me. So she bought me Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga, which is a game I've seen cropping up on Twitter here and there. There's like air combos, the combat looks sick. It's open world, it involves all nine films. And I was like, tell you what, great present. So on my birthday, 
we were supposed to go out and I was like, I don't have the fucking energy. Do you want to just stay home and play Star Wars together? She was like, yeah, okay, it's your birthday. We'll do what you want. I was like, bless. She didn't want to go out either, to be fair. It's not a very good game. <laughs> it's just not. I mean, we started playing on co-op. For some reason, she had like some weird glare on her screen just over her character the entire time. It wouldn't go away. And even in cutscenes, it would stay there. Just like a weird circle of glare. And then not only was that hap happening, like, constantly, at one point, my character just decided, you can't control me anymore. And he just started walking into a wall. And I could make him jump, but that's it. If I pressed any direction, he'd walk, but only towards the wall. I couldn't change his course. This sounds like a classic time to use the theme that we haven't used for a little while. When walls are spinning all around you You can't properly aim your gun You find you're falling through the world I'll hunt you down cause you're a bug I find the bugs The big bad bugs The Bug Hunter Oh, I've missed that theme. That's been a hell of a long time since we used that. Spence, what you were saying there has actually really shocked me because I've heard nothing but grand praise for this game. In fact, it's been one of those things that I wasn't interested in. And the sheer amount of hype that I'm seeing from Twitter on this is kind of making me change my mind and thinking about picking it up. So you're coming at this with a totally different opinion from everything I've seen online. I am, but you have to take it with a grain of salt because I'm the bug hunter. They come to me naturally. It's just the way it is. They call me fucking Craven. Everyone else, I'm sure, flawless experience, perfect game, 10 out of 10. For me, it's not meant to be, really, is what it is. It's been a long time since I played a Lego game. I think the last one I played was Lego Marvel Super Heroes on the PS4, uh, which I had early when the PS4 wasn't long out. Has the gameplay changed much over the years since then? Because that was probably about, what, seven, eight years since I played one? The last Lego game I played prior to this was probably, well, it was Lego Star Wars, but it was when I was like 10. So it's changed a lot. Yeah, I'll, t I'll tell you that much. This actual like mechanics now, you can move. Well, you can, you you can move? The camera's not, <laughs> it was kind of like, you can move. Well, I couldn't, to be fair. I think in the old games, it was kind of like, usually a zoomed out camera and you could kind of just roam around. And now it's kind of like locked third person other than maybe specific scenarios. It feels more like a game. Whereas every other Lego game is kind of just the same game with a different franchise attached to it, I felt like. But this kind of feels like a new thing. It feels like they've actually put some effort into the game until it broke on me anyway. I'd say if you're not if you don't mind some bugs, <laughs> it's probably worth getting. I would wait until a price drop or something. So do you think this is it then? You're kind of just done with it already? Or do you think this is something that you and Georgia are going to end up going through and kind of seeing, seeing it through to the end of the game, playing it in co-op? I'd, I'd like to say that I'm done with the game. But she bought it for me for my birthday so we could play together. And I mean, if I just say to her like, oh, I mean, thank you, I appreciate it, but no. That's a bit peak. Because she also owns this game, so I have no excuse not to play it with her now. Considering the uh, 
relationship advice that we've been given out so far on the show. <laughs> I think, Spence, you should probably play the game with her. It might be in my best interest to do so, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably play the game, try it a bit more. If it does stay shit, or I, no, it's good, it's, it's fine. If I keep finding bugs throughout the play, and it's actually hindering my experience, I'm probably just going to turn to her and be like, look, I appreciate the present. I'm going to go play something else. Yeah, wait for the patches to come in or, or whatever the stability issues that you're experiencing. That, that makes perfect sense. I suppose on that, actually, speaking of Star Wars, it kind of makes sense to transition over to myself because I've been playing a game. I don't have too much to talk about this yet because um, I've been struggling with COVID. I haven't really wanted to play games very much, which is really unlike me. So you could tell that something's kind of off. But I did start Jedi Fallen Order. So those that have a really good memory, remember I bought this back in about October and I was waiting until we got to a bit of a dead month, a uh, dead period of time where I was waiting for you know, the next big game to come out. And so I've got this and then Alan Wake to go through. Um, so I'm about five, six hours into Jedi Fallen Order so far. And it's really good. Really, really good. It's set um, after the end of Episode 3. So Order 66, for those Star Wars nerds, you'll know what I'm talking about. All the Jedi have been sentenced to death, basically by the Empire. And you're playing as a Padawan who has been sent out into kind of like the Outer Rim. He's in hiding. Things go on, he has to use his force powers to be able to save somebody, and then it sets him off on this wild adventure where he's going to bring about reviving the Jedi Order. And that's basically the plot in a nutshell for, for where I am so far, without giving any spoilers away. That's, that's within the first hour. It's great. The combat is essentially Dark Souls. So you go through the level, you've got parry timing um, to be able to deflect blaster fire or to be able to deflect melee, melee attacks. Um, and it's really challenging. Like, I fought this frog, and this one frog killed me more than most bosses in Elden Ring. This frog absolutely destroyed me. And it was kind of that same thing that you get in Elden Ring where you think, do you want to go off and, it, and go somewhere else? But I couldn't help myself. I just fought that frog over and over again. What game these days isn't just Elden Ring or a Souls-like game? It just feels like everyone is just trying to imitate them. It's just the kind of same story that we've gone through now with um, with Fortnite and everybody doing Battle Royales. Now everyone seems to be doing Souls-like games. This admission to this game puts me off even more, Davey. You know my hatred uh, when it comes to the Star Wars franchise. Just to bring everyone up to date, I also hate Lego, so I'll definitely not be playing the Lego Star Wars game uh, that Spencer has gone through. But Jedi Fallen Order, a Souls-like game? Really? Yeah, but it makes perfect sense. You know, you, you've got melee combat. It's the Souls formula in terms of melee combat is probably the best outside of, you know, if you're talking about like kind of a more juggle-based game like God of War or Devil May Cry. There's kind of like that two, those two paths of distinction there. Oh, and I suppose you could chuck in something like a, like a Dynasty Warriors or whatever as, as the three kind of schools of, of kind of melee combat. And for me, the best one for this is definitely on the side of demon souls because it does what i like it to do you know it's, it's challenging but it's really rewarding it's really weird actually because it's a mix between demon souls and uncharted which is a really weird mix right so you'll go through and your combat's all the same as any of the souls games but then you go through the level in the same way that you would an uncharted where it's very story driven it's climbing traversing your environment, 
he's saying quips, you know, it's very kind of like lighthearted in its delivery. And it's all full of spectacle and scale. So when you go on top of a mountain range, it's really impressive around you. There's loads of stuff going on. You're chatting to your little bot, your little droid buddy. It feels a perfect mix between those two things that I thought could never possibly work together. And it does. So I'm really looking forward to get further into this, unlocking some more Jedi powers, starting to level up a little bit more. It's got a skill tree kind of like God of War. So it is kind of like this mixture of these three things kind of put together. It makes it feel unique in its own right, but you can see where the influences are that have, that have created it. Really unique game. I'm really, really enjoying it. And I'm glad I've come to it because I had a PS5 patch, which put it at 4K60. It just looks gorgeous. So I, I'm so glad to be finally putting some time in and by the next episode, I'm sure I probably will have completed it. You've kind of gone through a bunch of different kind of setups, I guess, archetypes um, for games there. You've sort of mentioned um, Souls-like. Uh, you've mentioned Uncharted. I mean, is there any speed running in there? In there? Is it anything like Mirror's Edge? It seems like to have a, a little bit of everything in this game. Um, does, it, does it master these kind of elements, Davey? Or is it kind of... Um, you know, just just bangs everything in, not really done that well. Or how how do you how would you comment on the execution here? So far, from what I can see, the execution is pretty much flawless. I'll I'll need to get further in to see how the story kind of takes over. And bearing in mind, this was a game that came out in like 2019. So even though it's got this graphical polish onto it with the PS5 update, it's nowhere near the kind of polish that we look we're used to seeing now on the PlayStation 5 generation. You know, the mocap from the different actors that are in this aren't as good as something like Horizon or anything else that we've been seeing over the last couple of years. But as a PS4 game, this would have been really impressive if I played it at the time. And on PS5, it does hold its own with the patch. It looks great. And so far, all the different mechanics that I've seen have been utilized really well. So I'm really excited to get further into it and give you some more in-depth information, probably on the next episode. So Phil, that's kind of covered off most of everything we talked about and as you said you had certainly not been playing a star wars game so what have you been playing these last two weeks definitely not i think star wars it's the one franchise i think a lot of people expect me to like you know they, they see me on a, a playstation podcast they see me surrounded with you know geek chic from the roof down to the floor in my office um but when it comes to star wars i it's just never grasped me um it's just not for me at all so and, and the same with lego it's it's not really my bag so i've always tried to avoid those as much as possible so neither of those games i will be picking up but you know my backlog it's absolutely huge so i cannot wait now to get to the end of horizon um just a quick update really i am 60 hours in level 44 so i'm very close to the end i know i've said it probably for the last three weeks running um that i'll have this completed but i i promise you guys the listeners the viewers that I will be finished um, next episode. That's episode 42. One thing I do want to sort of update you guys on um, is what else I've been up to uh, over the last two weeks. I was very kindly uh, invited uh, by friend of the show, uh, Jason Brabbery, to be part of his 80s electro dance party live uh, on stage in Insomnia 68, uh, which was a very cool experience. I got to join Team Terminator alongside Quang from Adobe Tech. Uh, He's an indie Game Boy developer. Uh, game launching very soon, game called Diffused. I've made to made sure to put in my pre-order. Uh, and we faced off against Team Knight Rider, Staff Sergeant Barry, 
from Hero Up Gaming. And then we had some real star power against us, DJ Day from Utah Saints. Uh, and we went through, we had a bit of a quiz on stage, all hosted by Jason and Trista. Uh, and the scores were kept by Jason's son. And that was all in aid of Gamer Beats Cancer. Uh, that was the charity the, the event was put on for. I've put up a vlog of my experience. Uh, the URL will be in the description. Yeah, you can find it all on our YouTube channel. I'll tell you what, it was awesome to see your experience and to see how natural you were on that stage. You know, you sat down on that sofa, legs up. And the only thing I was gutted about is I saw a couple of your dance moves there, Phil, but I didn't really see the full list of your dance moves. You got very much a dad dancing style about you. And I, I like it. I appreciate it. It's a, it's a hard act to master when you're not a father yourself. Something that I've kind of grown into with my son being three now, this dad dancing style. But you seem to have really just nailed it straight off the bat. On my team, I had Quang, and he's an ex-break dancer. So I just let him go. I said, I didn't want to upstage him. I, I said, we'll let some new talent through. I didn't want to take too much of the stage, as, I, I, as I'd been doing for most of the quiz. I, I thought, let him through. Let him have a bit of space. So I just stood back and just give it the ones behind him just give him give him that support that he needed um and i think it went down really well we actually won the quiz in the end um so that's big quiz for me boosh and that's the 80s electro dance party live boosh so that's double quizzes for me quiz master well done phil well done phil mate so during your time with the quiz congrats on winning by the way we're very proud of you very proud did you happen to answer any playstation focused questions well jason i think set me up a little bit he did send me a text and he said he was going to include some PlayStation questions because obviously he's a friend of the show. He wanted to show some support, but actually there was zero PlayStation questions. Um, so I was, I was ready. I'd done all my research like I do for every big quiz. I, I got in there all confident and it was all about the 80s and the music and the games. We got a lot of the questions right. Obviously we won the quiz, um, but I'm very glad that Quang was on my team. I will admit. He carried you, didn't he? No, don't be silly. It was it was it was a fifty-fifty between the two of us, and we celebrated it, David. You'll like this because of your t-shirt. If you stand up, show the audience. So I'm wearing a uh, House Kami t-shirt. <clears throat> so a Dragon Ball Dragon Ball t-shirt. When me and Quang won, and we were awarded uh, the, the prize, which was a t-shirt uh, with the '80s electro dance party live a logo across the front, um, me and Quang did the fusion dance, which I think went down real well with the audience that was at Insomnia. You know, you play to the crowd. Gotta say, I, I really appreciate that. I did see your form; it was off. It would have been a fail fusion without a shadow of a doubt. But it, it was it was a good effort. It was a good effort. If I was there, I would have been on the sidelines like Piccolo would have come out there. No! Like that one last moment before you turn into some mangled fat man mess. Like, uh, like it is. I, w- I would have just asked for security. I said, I don't even know this guy. <laughs> Who is he? Get him off stage. Get him off. <laughs> shoo, shoo. Come out with the brushes. <laughs> I'll give you a selfie and an autograph afterwards. Please, can you wait until we finish the show? That's what I would have said to you. Join the queue. Join the queue. I want to ask you, actually, while you were there at Insomnia... Obviously, for our UK audience, you probably know what Insomnia is. It's a giant video game show where there's loads of retailers there. They have a lot of people that bring their own PCs and they have like a massive LAN set up there. What kind of cool things did you see while you were there at the show? Well, I mentioned the um, indie uh, section, uh, which my friend, my new best friend um, from Insomnia, Quang uh, from Asobitak, uh, was demoing his new uh, Game Boy game that he developed uh, called Diffused. Uh, that that was interesting. Check that out, definitely. Um, but but apart from that, I didn't really have a lot of time to sort of walk around the show and sort of dig into any any of the games that were shown there. Um, there was definitely a big army presence supporting the Heroes Up Gaming. 
Um, there was a tank there, which was very cool. We got to take photos in front of the tank and got some photos with the soldiers. That was very cool uh, with Jason and Trista. So they weren't trying to hire you then? They weren't trying to get you in there for your mad COD skills then, Phil? No, no, unfortunately not. They, they know how good I am with a gun. They thought, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll let him stay on stage. He's a natural on stage, but behind a gun or um, behind the, the wheel of a tank, we'll, we'll, we'll take a, a wide berth. He's a killer. Stay the distance. Stay, guys, don't arm him. It would turn into like John Wick straight away if they armed you, mate. Well, on that bombshell, let's move it on to the quick news. Quick news. Phil, as you're kicking off quick news, this episode we're doing Pokemon noises. I want to hear your best Mark impression. Mark. Quick news. Sony has invested another $1 billion into Epic Games, guys. This follows Sony's previous investings of $250 million in July 2022 and another $200 million into Epic in April 2021. Epic game valuation is July 2020 is $17.8 billion. April 2021, $28.7 billion. April 2022, $31.5 billion. As of the 11th of April, Epic Games has totaled $2 billion in its round of funding to advance the company's vision to build the metaverse and support its continued growth. Spencer, I want your Charmander impression. I can't remember if he's cute or if he's like a growl. Char! Yeah, that's not gonna rate that's not gonna rate highly. I think that one's gonna come back to bite yeah. you that one. I couldn't remember. I picked Squirtle fan. Alright, quick news. Cyberpunk 2077 is far from finished, quote unquote, and work is still being done on future expansions. It's crazy the talk of expansions is happening when a game has been out for almost two years and is still not even finished. Davy. I'd like to hear. Your best Cubone impression. Cubone! Cubone! Quick news. The Isle of Big Snacks, the most anticipated game in PlayStation 5 history, is coming out and it launches on April 28th for free for all Bug Snacks players. Massive, massive news this one. And that's not all. The newly updated Bug Snacks is coming to Xbox One and Nintendo Switch the same day. So it's Big snacks, bug snacks for all of us on April 28th. Thank God. Praise be to our Lord and Saviour, Bunga. Phil, I want to hear a Raichu impression. Raichu! Ooh. Quick news. Square Enix officially announces Kingdom Hearts 4, guys! Not a lot else to say outside that headline, but if you're interested in the series and looking forward to the fourth instalment in the Kingdom Hearts, you might want to head over to our YouTube to see how we react to the game's trailer and thoughts on the game. The URL will be in the description below. Spencer, I want to hear your best Vulpix. What am I getting the fire types? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it sounds, man. <laughs> I don't know what noise it makes. The good thing you got on your side is I don't think anybody knows what Volpix sounds like. Nobody picked fucking Volpix, did they? They all went to Ninetales. Ninetales, that was the evolution, wasn't it? Volpix? Yeah. Yeah, so no one knows Volpix, mate. So I think you're quite safe with that one. We'll see. We'll see. Don't have it out for me, please, listeners. 
quick news. Sony is updating their PlayStation Plus policies. This is a result of an investigation from the UK Competition and Markets Authority into auto-renewal processes, with Nintendo also agreeing to change how its online service is handled. The specific change is reminding users that don't use the service to cancel their subscriptions. Davy, I'm trying to think, because you're old, you know, I'm trying to think of 151, because I know I'm, I'm past that gen, you know what I mean? Yeah, anything past that's going to be a struggle for me. So you could I'm you could screw me Pokemon. over. You could screw me over here and give me some random Pokemon I've I've never even heard of in my life. I want to hear you do Meowth. Do you want it from the anime? So he's like chatting in like kind of a little Cockney accent, or do you want it? Do you want it as he actually sounds? Why don't you give us the full Team Rocket, Davy? Prepare for trouble and make it double to protect the world from devastation. To unite all peoples within our nation. To denounce the evils of truth and love. To extend our reach to the stars above. Jesse. James. Team Rocket blasts off at the speed of light. Surrender now or prepare to fight. Meowth, that's right. Quick news. Digimon Survive will launch on July 29th for PS4, Xbox and Nintendo Switch. Producer, and I'm probably going to butcher this so I do apologise in advance. Kazumasa Habu revealed the date in a tweet, with the release this summer marking four years since the game was revealed, and three since it was originally meant to be launched. Published by Bandai Namco, Survive breaks the formula of previous Digimon games by blending the visual novel and turn-based strategy RPG genres. Now personally, I was never a fan of Digimon, I was always a Pokemon Ride or Die fan, but for those that do like their monsters to be digital, this is something for you to keep an eye on. Phil, I want to hear your best. Psyduck impersonation. Quick news. During our Jason Bradbury interview on episode 38, he alluded to PlayStation VR 2 being released in 2023. Well, we've had some additional rumours suggesting the same thing, guys. Was Jason a Sony insider? Did he know something we didn't at the time? The news is the PlayStation VR 2 has been delayed, guys, until 2023, according to the latest report published by an industry analyst, Ross Young. Now, how do you feel about the delay? Does it matter to you? Answers on a postcard. Or if you're on YouTube, let me know in the comments. Now, Spencer, I know we've given you fire Pokemon so far, so let's switch things up. I want your best Alakazam. Alakazam. Close. Quick news. Ghost of Tsushima support is coming to a close after almost two years of updates, leading people to believe that Sucker Punch are moving away from Ghost to focus on their next title. Davy. Ooh, Davy. Ooh, boy. What Pokemon do I have in store for you? I hope it's a Bulbasaur. I'm quite proud of my Bulbasaur impression. Well, mate, you'll be happy. I want to hear your best Aaron. Impression. Who? Aaron? <laughs> that's not that's Aaron. not Pokemon. It is. Hi, I'm Aaron, and let me tell you about Silip Bang. <laughs> Aaron. No. Aaron. 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 Got a range of emotions there. I thought I'd add to it. Quick news. 
Amy Hennig, who wrote the Uncharted trilogy, is now working on a new Star Wars game. She is helming Skydance Media, who have partnered with Lucasfilm Games to develop and produce a narrative-driven action-adventure game. After leaving Naughty Dog, Hennig moved over to Visceral Games, the creators of Dead Space, while they were working on a Star Wars game titled Operation Ragtag. Before, the project was cancelled, and the studio met its untimely demise at the hands of our corporate overlords, EA. I, for one, am super excited to see what Amy Hennig and the team at Skydance Media cook up in a galaxy far, far away. Phil, I want to hear your best tour chick. Why are we going outside the 151? I don't know what tall chick even is. He's like a firebird. I only know him because I saw he's I saw tiny. him in Lottie's um, Pokemon game that she was playing the other day. I was like, oh, he's cute. And she was like, that's tall chick. And I heard what he sounds like. So that, that's why okay, he came wait. to mind. Okay, cute, small. Tall chick, 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 Quick news. A brand new Tomb Raider game is in development at Crystal Dynamics, and it's set to make use of the shiny new Unreal 5 engine. The last entry in the Tomb Raider franchise came out in 2018, and it feared a little worse than its Crystal Dynamics developed counterparts. With the series returning to the studio, which has brought us the 15 years of Lara Croft, it will be exciting to see what they've got planned. Thanks, Spencer. I wasn't impressed with your so I'm going to go for Etkins. He was in pretty much every episode in the early days. So I want your Etkins. Etkins. Snake backwards, by the way. People don't know. That's why we love Muck. Quick news. Sony is reportedly planning to put adverts in free-to-play PlayStation games. This is supposedly being introduced as an incentive for developers to keep making free-to-play games and to give them a way to monetize those games. It's claimed that Sony have yet to decide whether or not they will be taking a cut of the revenue. Just before we move on, guys, I do want to ask you a question on this, actually. Just super, super quick. We're in quick news, so I want to keep it fast. What do you think about this? I don't play many free-to-play games anyway. I think it's a good way for free-to-play games developers to still make money without the use of in-game purchases. Because as we saw from Gran Turismo, which granted isn't a free-to-play game, people don't like spending money in-game. No, that's true. So the way that I can imagine this being implemented is either, you know, if you're talking about something like a football game, wrestling game, racing game, anything like that, it'd be like billboards and stuff, right? So things that are just kind of in the background, they're not really taking anything away from it. But you do have in, for example, Street Fighter Five does this, before a match starts, you can then watch a trailer. You can watch like an advert, you can watch like a little thing that will come up, a little splash screen with a trailer or an advert, whatever it is, and that's it promoting to you. And you can turn them off in-game in that, but if you watch them and you have them on, then you earn Street Fighter money, whatever it's called, Capcom, Capcom money, that you then use to buy stuff. So I think there's different ways this can be implemented. Fight money. I have a different example, and my example is that in Burnout Paradise racing game, fantastic racing game, by the way, the best racing game ever made, in my opinion, other than maybe like Mario Kart, whilst you're driving through the city of Burnout Paradise, there are, it's covered in billboards, and those billboards are advertising Barack Obama's campaign. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. What, what are your thoughts then? Are you, so you really kind of indifferent on this one then, Spencer? You don't really mind? 
I'm fine with it. It doesn't bother me. As long as it's not like in your face, your loading screens are Mountain Dew or Doritos or like, oh, you can't pick up this gun. You haven't watched this trailer or something like that. If it's just it's in the game and it's not in the way, then yeah, I don't really see an issue. It's just a way for companies to make more money, which is beneficial to us. What about yourself, Phil? Any thoughts on this one? Well, as is quick news, I'll keep it quick. I'm completely fine with billboards or loading screens as long as it doesn't get in the way of the action. I would hate anything that stops play, such as a pop-up on a website. That frustrates me as a web developer, so I would hate that within my game. Something I've got to click before I get to the action. Let's not introduce that. I would hate to see that as the future of video gaming. Yeah, I'm completely there with you on that one, Phil. I don't want it anywhere near the actual game itself. If it's in the background, if it's a part of the cityscape, Anything like that, not a problem at all. It kind of makes it a little bit more realistic, to be honest. But as soon as you've got to click off something that auto pops up before a game lets you in, or anything like that that gets in the way, no go from me. Right, well, Davey, mate, I have thought up my next Pokemon for you. Would you like to know who it is? I would love to know who it is. I would love to hear your Caterpie impression, my friend. Caterpie! Caterpie! Quick news. Kauri Balrog updates us all on the God of War, Ragnarok. Now, I'll link the tweet in the description so that you can all watch along with this. He states the team are currently polishing up the graphics in Stage 3 development, and they're super excited to show us what they've been working on, but it's not quite ready. Now, this tweet was in response to many people stating Ragnarok looked like DLC. Now, personally, I don't know where the hell they got that idea from, but... Fan speculation was also going wild on when they're actually going to show this, as it's been seven months since we last had a look at the game. Now, Corey insisted the game will be out this year, so it can't be long till we get an in-depth look at Kratos' next adventure. Phil, I want to hear a star me impression. Do they even make noise? <laughs> well, this is where I'm going to probably catch you out a little it bit. It just be a gargle, bro, like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this one could catch you out i'm not gonna lie phil this is a bit of a curveball quick news four classic siphon filter games have been rated for ps4 and ps5 in korea they are siphon filter siphon filter 2 siphon filter dark mirror and of course siphon filter logan shadow and they will likely be made available as part of the new PlayStation Plus premium tier. We took a deep dive into PlayStation Plus structure, so make sure once you finish this episode, you've left a like and some kind words in the comments, and go back and listen to episode 40, where we discuss the new PlayStation Plus structure. So it's time for the ratings, guys. I want to hear your best and your worst impersonation slash impression. I don't know why I'm calling them impersonations all the time, but it should just be an impression, right? I don't know why I do that. Anyway, Spence, what is your best and what is your worst out of everything that was shown to us today? Well, my favourite one to hear, I don't know what my best was because I don't really know the reference points, but my favourite one was easily to star me because it made me feel sick and I feel like that's what a good one should do of star me. No idea what they actually sound like, but they, they live in the water, so... If they try to talk, it should sound like that, realistically speaking. The worst was probably your Aaron, Davy. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing with that one. Literally no idea. What about yourself, Phil? What was your best and worst? 
Well, I don't think... I would have thought Spence would be pretty good at this, being a bit of a Pokemon fan. But his Charmander sucked. Your Alakazam sucked. I, I didn't think much of any of your impressions. I'm sorry, mate. I know it's your birthday, and, and I meant to be real kind to you, but I, I, I'm giving you the L on your Charmander. And so what was the, uh, what was the best? My best, and it warmed my heart, was your Caterpie, Davy. I thought that was so damn cute. And we need to clip that and put that on Twitter because that's going to get some likes. I need those cat ear headphones, don't I, next? You know, next time I do one of those. Caterpie! One of those. Um, so I suppose it's up to me then to, to, to really settle this. And originally I was going to go for my worst as being the star you impression. The reason why, and, uh, and now my thoughts have changed on this. Originally, it's because Staryu actually goes like this. For some reason, he doesn't say his name, right? That's why I thought I'd throw in a curveball. He's just like, that's all he does. He makes that noise. I, I don't know why. Maybe they were just running out of ideas. Maybe they're like, should a water Pokemon actually make a noise? And like, oh, make him do karate moves for, for no reason whatsoever. And like, yeah, go for it. And so I was going with that. But now you mention it, Spence's Charmander was horrendous. It was so bad. He was doing like a Charmeleon impression almost, wasn't he? It, it, it was awful. So yeah, I, I got to side with you on that. That's definitely the worst. My favorite, and there was there was a lot of there was a lot of good ones. I like the Raichu. I thought the Raichu was pretty good. It was a lot deeper than a than a Pikachu noise, and it was kind of accurate as well. So so I appreciate that one. So Spence, it means as per the rules of quick news now that we uh, cemented them last time, you do owe another shot for next episode for having the worst impression. That's the rules. I'm on a winning streak at the moment. I win the big quiz. I win the 80s electro dance party live. And now I've won the Pokemon impression. I'm like this at the moment. Big dick player. Hanging by your knees. And let's move it on to Rumor Has It. Kick it. Wake up with a rumor and you don't want to go You ask if it's confirmed and they still say no Rumor has it that Dino Crisis, the long-awaited spoiler cast from the past, episode 2, is going to happen, guys Now this is a wild rumor that's come out of nowhere That's, well... I see come out of nowhere. That's actually been percolating under the surface for probably about five months now. The rumour states that we will have this episode out on Wednesday, the 18th of May. So it means we've got one more normal episode to go, and then we're going to have Dino Crisis out for you guys. Now, I will be announcing on my YouTube when I will be streaming this. I'm not sure what plans you guys have for it, but I will definitely be streaming my playthrough so that you'll have evidence that I've actually played it, and you can see where my critiques and my praises come from you guys excited to be getting into this finally after so long i wouldn't say i'm excited but i'd say it's been a long time coming and i'm glad that we'll finally put dino crisis behind us i'm saying this as if it's a bad game i have no idea how this game's gonna go and i'm excited to experience what capcom was doing back at the same time they were making the game we you know the game i'm excited to see the similarities and the differences so I am looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to us not always saying, yo, what are we playing Dino Crisis? What about yourself, Phil? Do you know what, Davey? I still don't believe it. 
It's pure lies. We're never going to get around to Dino Crisis. As much as uh, a loved game by myself, I just I just don't feel us all doing it. I, I think you've lied to the viewers. I think you've lied to the listeners. Denied. It's not happening. Well, that's two of us that are believing the rumour and one that isn't. So we'll have to wait and see on March 18th on the supposed release date of Dino Crisis Spoilercast from the Past, Episode 2. So, boys, rumour has it that the long awaited sought after game dead island 2 <laughs> could be revealed this summer and apparently could get a september release date says an insider all i have to ask is do you think it's legit do you think it's happening are you fans of dead island have you played the prior games being dead island 1 and riptide and just did you pre-order the collector's edition with the big titties let me know so spence to answer your question dead island 2 am i a fan no i played the first one i put probably about like 30 odd hours in and played it with my mate polly and we enjoyed it we thought it was okay but i could always see how rough the game was now the sequel dead island 2 was first announced back in 2014 can you believe it it's been eight years and it's still not out absolutely insane now, when this game was first announced as coming out in 2014, it was a big shock, actually. I remember everyone being really surprised. And there was quite a bit of a kind of build-up of anticipation for this to come out. It's been so long. This game means literally nothing. Nobody cares. If anyone's excited about this, I'll be amazed. I certainly am not interested in this whatsoever, especially as the developers who made this originally went on to do Dying Light and Dying Light 2. So we got no expectation of this being good. And seeing it's been in development hell for this long, it's going to be a, an absolute stinker. I'm calling it now. It's going to be bad. I just hope to God that they do come out with a collector's edition just as bad and as plainly insulting as the first game did. Like you mentioned about the big titty lady. It was basically, for those that don't know, it was a bust of woman in a bikini with quite a massive rack. She had no head. Her head was cut off. So it was just this statue you'd put on, put up somewhere that would just be a headless woman with massive tits. Why would you ever want that up? Like, what kind of conversation are you ever going to have with that that's going to be positive? Everyone would think you're a serial killer. Imagine getting that for Christmas. Your mum and dad are like, oh, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, I want the new um, Dead Island game. But can I go for the Clex edition, mum? And she's like, yeah, of course. She goes into the shop. She goes into game. She's like, one uh, Dead Island collector's edition, please. The guy goes, really? And she's like, yep, yeah, it's for my son. Uh, he's 18, because obviously it was age rated at the time. And he walks out and he just brings you a pair of boobs. Not a good look. It's not so much that it's just the tits. It's just that there's no head to it. You know, if there was a head on it, a zombie head, you think, okay, well, that's fine. You know, tits and a zombie head, you know. That's fine. Hard wank, but you could probably do it, right? No head there? Jesus Christ, that's that's not good for anyone. I mean, we, we all got different opinions and different things to, you know, get us going. I'm seeing a nice, nice rack, and she can't talk back to me. There is that, mate. There is that. That is true. That is true. You're not going to get bossed around, are you? But I, I can imagine it being more of a hindrance than anything else. You know, you've got a limited lifespan on a corpse. You don't have that long that you've got them there that they're still usable. I imagine that it's going to be quite a bit of work, you know, heating them up a little bit to try and get some. This is getting really dark. This is getting so dark. Oh, my God. Let's reel it back in. Let's reel it back in. 
I was just going to ask, because obviously this collector's edition, it's for the dads, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, it's for the dads who play, play PlayStation and still think they're cool. Um, was there any games for the mums? Was there an alternative? What, just you're talking like swimming shorts with a bit of dick poking out the bottom? Well, I wasn't going to be as crude as that, but that's where I was alluding to, yes. This is a game for the fellas, let's be honest. That's all it is. The mums, they would have pre-ordered the collector's edition of Saints Row the Third with that giant purple dildo bat. And I think they'd be quite happy with that one. That's a win for the women, equality. We've got a long way from having these absolutely ludicrous collector's editions. I mean, if we do get any more that come up in the near future, then you best believe we'll report them here because there has been some absolute stinkers over the years. That kind of feels like an MPS We Trust um, topic that we can pick up on in the future because I've got a fucking baby in a collector's edition. That's weird enough, let alone a woman with her head cut off. Let's pick that up on a later episode. Sounds like a plan. So bringing it back onto Spencer's question there, do we reckon this is actually coming out? Yes, I could probably see it being announced. Maybe it would be at, you know, Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest and it would be shown there. I have no interest in it. And personally, I think it's going to bomb because this game has no cachet whatsoever for really anybody. What about yourself, Phil? How are you feeling on this one? I just looked through my collection as you were reminiscing about this series. And I do, in fact, own, and this is for the visual listeners, Dead Island, the original, PS3. So that's how long we've been waiting for a new version of Dead Island. And to be honest, my memory's pretty hazy about this game. I know there were zombies, I know there was a beach, and I know there was lots and lots of sexual innuendo. Outside that, I don't really know much about the game. I don't think it's anything I'm keen to sort of revisit. And I'm pretty much echoing everything you've said, Davey. I have zero interest in this. Um, I think it's probably going to come out because why the hell wouldn't they want to just do another zombie game? Well, listeners to the podcast know we love every game that cannot be mentioned. I'm being very careful there. And that's the reason why I have to be careful because we love that series so much that if we didn't have a button for it and we didn't have a forfeit for mentioning the game's name, we would mention it every single episode. And we do anyway, right? We'd mention it way too much. We love zombie games. So this on paper... If we were on Love Island, this would be the game that I would be picking. But because I've played the original, it just isn't. And bringing it back to yourself, Spence, when you brought this in, what are your thoughts on this? Are you interested at all? What I would like to see is when they do release it, because it's going to get delayed, I want them to release it, collected edition, step away from the headless breasts and just release a nice vinyl that contains one track and one track alone. And that's the track from the original Dead Island from Sam B, where he says, Sam B is the thing that got bumped in the night. Who do you voodoo, bitch? Because that song, back when I first played this game, even after this game, when I'd finished it, I loved that song. I played it on repeat on YouTube. My mum heard me singing it, and that song has terrible language. And I was like 12, if that. I might have been younger. She came in and told me off. She was like, I heard that. And I was like, sorry, mum, I'll turn it off now. But now I'm 24. I can listen to that song all I want. I want that vinyl. So that is what would make me buy this game when it releases in 2026. Because this song's, this game's getting delayed. The rumor's true. I think it's coming out, getting announced, getting delayed. Just reading on the Wikipedia, Sam B was the main character, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Um, and that was voiced by Phil Lamar. 
And apparently he was um, responsible for, for Mad TV. Um, I don't know if you guys uh, know too much about that, but that was a sketch comedy uh, television series uh, in the US. Um, and he also did some voicing for Futurama. So a fairly big deal, but he's not like a like a traditional rap star or anything like that. That song goes hard. It's one of the best gaming songs. I'm amazed Davey didn't play it in his big quiz because I'd have been like, it's Dead Island, Davey. It's Dead Island. Give me the point. But he didn't. There's a reason for it, Spence. It's probably the reason why I am so lukewarm on this. It's because Dead Island was just a shit game. That's it. literally it. it. It was just average at best. It was in that time on PS3 where you just had a lot of middleware and it's just a middleware game. And I don't have time to be spending my time in shit games anymore. Uh, and that's literally as, as cut and dry as I can be with it. You mentioned about it being close to cyberpunk and being comparable. I disagree. I think that the easiest way you could compare it would be something like Duke Nukem Forever. That it takes forever to come out. And when it comes out, it's gash. And that's all that's going to happen with this one. I've got a quick question for you guys. So these games that are in development hell... What do you think they should do? Do you think they should keep going at it? Because you mentioned Duke Nukem, you mentioned Cyberpunk, we're now looking at this game. And they've all been bad. I don't remember too many examples of them coming out and them living up to expectations. What do they do, guys? What do you do if you're a developer and you're a studio that have invested time, money, you've got fans behind you wanting these games, and it's just been delayed, delayed, delayed? What do you do? Well, the only example I can think of something that came out after such a huge delay and everyone was really excited about it was The Last Guardian, which came out on PlayStation 3. Um, no, did it come out PlayStation 3 or PS4? I think it was PS4. Hold on, let me just double check that. I don't have a fucking clue Nothing else to do So that's all ask Google Yes, The Last Guardian came out in 2016 on the PlayStation 4. So that game was in development ever since Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, So famously done by Team Ico, which were like the golden studio at the time back on PS2. And that was stuck in development hell for forever. And when that game finally got revealed in the same year that they showed God of War, they showed so many hype games that were shown at that one E3. Phenomenal E3, one of the best ones ever, actually. It was it was amazing. And fortunately, when the game came out, people did love it. There was a lot of people that didn't like it, but a lot of people did. Kind of like a Death Stranding kind of situation where you've got a lot of people that really like it and a lot of people hate it, right? Very Marmite game. I think it's case by case. Generally, if you're a studio and you're thinking about it and you think about all the money that you've put in, there comes a certain decision where you think, right, well, how much is it going to cost us and how many years is it going to take us to finish this project and get out of the door? Let's try and recoup our, our assets that we put down on this. And if that's too much, then you're probably best just putting it down as a sunken cost and moving on, right? Because, you know, releasing a bad game, all it's going to do is impact your image, impact your public perception, impact your shareholders for the actual cost of actually getting it out and getting it finished. But then on the other hand, if you think, well, to be fair, we could put it over to a new studio, all the assets are done, it's just kind of assembling it, maybe some finishing touches, some polish, things like that. Maybe then at that point you think, right, well, an extra million to put down an extra couple of million, we've already put 20, 30, 40, 50 million, whatever the amount is. It's only a small amount then at that point, And maybe it's worth getting that sales in. I don't think there's a golden rule on this, but I'd probably say on the majority side of it, if you've been in development hell for like some of these games like this one now, eight years, maybe four years ago, they should have cut the ties and said, you know what, this ain't worth carrying on. But now this far in, you might as well see it through now, get it out, even if it only sells 200,000, try and get something back. That, that's just my thought anyway. 
don't know about yourself, Spence. I mean, I'm very much the same line of thinking where games get delayed is a thing that happens, but there's a point where it's too much. And I mean, games nowadays have a much longer development cycle than they used to. So it's kind of hard to know how long is too long. It's a lot more ambiguous. Games can take a year to develop or they can take eight years to develop. It changes. But when a game is supposed to come out in 2014, they set a deadline for the development cycle and it's been delay after delay after delay and it's taken this long. At this point, I agree with you, just release the game. Just release it and see if you make some money. That's basically what they did with Cyberpunk. But I think you're completely right with there should be a cutoff point where maybe one or two years after the game was supposed to be released, if it's still not even close to being made, just chuck it in the bin. Get them on a new, easier mobile game or something. Get them doing something to make them money. It's hard to tell if delays are beneficial or not nowadays because a lot of games are getting delayed and releasing to sour reception. Delays are very 50-50 at the minute. I got something I want to pick up on what Spence said there, but I want to make sure that, Phil, you get your chance to say something before I kind of go into this a little bit. So have you got any thoughts, Phil, before um, before I lay down what I think about um, delays and stuff like that? Yeah, of course. I've always got thoughts, and that's why I'm on a podcast, because I'm on this pedestal, and you're here to listen to my thoughts. My thought is that we're missing an opportunity here. Sony need a throwaway studio where they can adopt these games where they can take on development hell games, where the impact isn't so big to these developers that have been built up and built up and built up. They can pass it over to another developer. They can finish off the game. And if it goes well, it goes bad. It's not reflected on the original studio, which a lot of people potentially held in such high regard. You make the money either way, but you get someone else involved and they're kind of like your fall guy. But everyone knows they're the fall guy, but everyone invo- like enjoys that idea that they're taking the fall. They've finished the game. They get all the praise if it's good, but they get all the flack if it's bad. So kind of your idea then is is more akin to, you know, like when you default on your credit agreements and you go to like a, a debt collector. And so they what they do is say you got like a 15 grand loan they and, and that's defaulted. They'll buy that from the company. They'll buy that debt off them for like 4,000 you know, like a super discounted amount. And then somebody then can buy that, when they set up a payment plan with that person, even if they're going to default on it, all they have to do is make back that four grand and they're golden. So they'll offer them like a five grand settlement. So they make a grand on it and and everyone's kind of happy apart from the people that originally made it because they've obviously lost, but at least they got something back from selling that debt off. You're kind of equating that kind of model to video games yeah i don't see why that hasn't happened in the past and maybe it has but it's been covered up enough where we don't know about it because there's definitely uh, a, a way to be too transparent about this and everyone knows oh actually it was cd project red that fucked up the game i really wanted but if it passed over to another studio there was another name another face involved then potentially if you didn't know it was all planned you might blame someone else but yeah that that's the idea that I'm I'm putting out there, I don't understand why it's never really happened. I suppose the only problem is that they announced these games so far in advance that everyone knows about it. You know, if it was something that wasn't ever announced or something that wasn't shown, then there's there's no chance of it kind of like any potential backlash. But with most games, they're announced them as soon as they go into development or even before development for some ungodly reason. And then we're all speculating about them for years and years and years. And in this case, eight years. It's kind of a bit late then at that point. It's a bit transparent, isn't it? I suppose that's the only downside to it. But interesting thought nonetheless. Where Spence was saying about um, 
cinematic delays and, and he doesn't feel they're, they're ever good or, or that they can be a bit dodgy. I think for the most part, delays are fine. And I think the reason for that is because they do bite off more than they can chew and they think, you know, maybe the polish isn't quite right. It's not quite there. You think about some of the best games we've ever had. You know, if we talk about anything the Naughty Dog have done, they're always delayed. It happens like every single time. And they're not massive delays though. They may be like five months, six months, maybe a year at maximum for most games and I think that's fine to get that polish in there and ultimately like uh, Miyamoto is famously credited with saying after you release a game it's out there that's everyone's first impression I obviously didn't say this word for word verbatim but as soon as you put it out there that's your first impression that's your chance to get everyone through the door that's where most of your sales are you're best off putting your best foot forward and I think a delay can really make that launch be the difference between cyberpunk where it is when it launched and now seven months later, where it is now, where it's actually a really good game by all the courts. I think that a delay can make a big difference. But ultimately, if you're going, like you said, Spence, years and years and years on, you've got to cut ties at some point. And ultimately, that's down to the management, the studio, and a failure at management where they haven't pulled the plug from underneath them. And they've just gone on and on, and it's just been badly managed. And that's what we're seeing here with this game. So we'll have to wait and see where things move on from here and when we actually get our first look at the game in probably a couple of months' time. But... I think we're all in agreement here that none of us are very excited about this. Okay, guys, the rumour mill has been turning. And oh my God, this one's a big one. And I'm bringing it to you guys because I know how much this means to you. The rumour is PlayStation is to acquire FromSoft. It doesn't mean much to me. And, and I can already hear the listeners and the viewers cursing me because I'm not a big Souls guy. But I know you two absolutely love games from this developer. So I'm going to hand it over to Davey first. I don't want you to go too far because I know what you're like. You go off on a tangent and then you go to another tangent and then you go to another tangent and then you go to another tangent. Let's keep it top level. Give me your initial thoughts. FromSoft acquired by PlayStation. Davey, go. It's bullshit. Nice. Spencer, let's hear it. I know you want this. I can't believe he's just said it's bullshit. That's my dreams. That's my... My dreams. It might be bullshit. It might be bullshit. It's just a rumor. But if it does happen, it's about goddamn time. FromSoft is so sick. And Elden Ring came out and that was huge. Absolutely huge on every platform that it was released for. Imagine if it was only released on one, the PlayStation 5. And that's, well, yeah, actually, to be fair, they don't need to get acquired. Actually, tell you what, Davey, mate, I agree. They make fantastic games. They come to the PS5 anyway. As long as they don't get snatched up by Microsoft, I actually don't think I care if this rumor is true. Okay, okay. So both of you believe this is not a true rumor, but it's a rumor nonetheless. So there's no smoke without fire, so there must be something to it. Souls-like games are very much in vogue at the moment. Everyone wants to be them. Everyone wants to copy them. Everyone wants to get to that level. It's the games people are talking about. It's the new Fortnite at the moment. Davey, if this was true... What would this mean to PlayStation? To PlayStation, it's a big dick moment. It's a moment where you flex that you've got them, that they're under your wing. And they do have a really good relationship with FromSoft. Of course, Demon's Souls was originally a PlayStation 3 exclusive. And because that game wasn't really picked up on very well when it originally came out, nobody reviewed it, nothing like that. They didn't chase them down and lock them down to really foster this relationship. And that's why they ended up eating shit because Dark Souls became a thing, you know, word of mouth spread and it moved on from a cult status into now being one of the most popular video games out and especially probably one of the biggest sellers of this year. 
It's not something I want to see. And the reason for that is something that I've mentioned many times on this podcast, and that's that I do not want to see Sony buy up studios that have multi-platform things. I don't like it. I don't like it when Xbox do it. I hate it when Xbox do it. And I hate it if Sony's doing the same thing. Fortunately, all the different acquisitions we've had so far have been either studios that they've built up already from the ground up, or they're ones that have existing long-term relationships with the brand. I don't want to see FromSoft games locked out from Xbox. I don't want that. That's not good for anyone. I want them to be enjoyed by literally everyone. And all I'd like them to do, if they're going to work with FromSoft, is make sure they got their own spin-offs like Bloodborne 2. That can be an exclusive. No problem with that at all. In fact, that would be the precedent. But I don't want to see them taken over and bought out. And that's why I think this is bullshit. Because one, I think it would be too much of an expensive deal for them to do. Especially with the cachet that they have now. But secondly, I don't think there's a single optic in the world that this looks good if they bought them. Because the amount of outrage you'd have would be insane. All right then, Spence. We've heard what Davey says about this acquisition, if it was going to happen with PlayStation. But I've got a different question for you. Are we going to be on the in Xbox we trust with Potato Chief if FromSoft are acquired by Xbox instead of PlayStation because Sony have missed their chance? I tell you what, mate. I would buy an Xbox. I don't think I'd be joining Potato Chief on Xbox to box. I'd be too invested in the game because that's all I'd have time for because I don't have time to do a lot of things. But if it got acquired, it depends actually because of the way they they kind of do things nowadays. It might just be a case of I just upgrade my PC and just play them on Game Pass because they'd be coming day and date, which optically I think would be terrible for FromSoft considering Elden Ring's launch and how well it did. But if I could play the game for a fiver, I'd do it. And that sucks, because that means everyone else probably would as well. As much as you guys don't like it, end of the day, it's all about the moolah, baby. And if you've got Big Daddy Microsoft backing you up, I think Xbox probably have the cojones to be able to take this if they have the opportunity. But hey, it's the rumour mill. I'm only putting more rumours into the mix. I'm not sure this is going to happen, much like you guys. But we'll have to wait and see. So our final rumour of today, Sega is developing big budget reboots of Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio, both part of Sega's Super Game Initiative. Now this was originally reported by Bloomberg. So guys, I want to get your thoughts on this. Are you interested in Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio making a return? Do you think this is true? And it's important to note here that both of these titles are in the very early stages of game development. So it means that they could always be canned. Phil, what are your thoughts on these classic games? As a child of the 80s, I hold Sega in high regard. Whenever they're up to something, I'm interested automatically, regardless if it's just another Sonic game. Because let's be real, who actually likes that character? That's fighting words, mate. I like Sonic. He's cool. I model my life after Sonic. I live fast. I sit around. Every time I got to wait somewhere, I'll tap the one foot my arms crossed. I try and model Sonic in my everyday life. And you're always chasing the ring. Not anymore now I'm married. I've become too too attached to the ring and now it's actually weighing me down a little bit. But I've already mentioned about the benefits of uh, putting a ring on it. So let's, uh, let's move that one on quickly before the wife listens to this and I am no longer alive. And it won't be COVID that finishes me off. It'd be my wife coming in and battering me apart. So we don't want that. But with these games, um, I haven't got really got that much of a storied past with Crazy Taxi or Jet Set Radio. Um, but I'm definitely very interested in what Sega have to offer with their super game initiative. It sounds very 
Very Japanese, doesn't it? The Super Game Initiative. That gets you interested just with those three words, doesn't it? I think that's probably the best kind of initiative, isn't it? You know, a Super Game Initiative. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how else you can word that apart from it being, you know, Super Mega Initiative. Maybe that's the next step up from that. But that sounds pretty super. The tall and thin of it, I'm excited for anything, Sega. So bring it on. What about yourself, Spence? I mean, the Super Games Initiative, you boys are right, that is one of the most Japanese things I've ever heard. SGI, it sounds like something I don't want to get. But Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio, I know they're both huge games from back in the day, back when I was a wee lad. I've played Crazy Taxi, never played Jet Set Radio, and I've never owned either. I played Crazy Taxi over a friend's house once for maybe all of 10 minutes, and it was fun. Got a timer, you got to get your person to your place. I'm sure it'd be a fantastic platinum if the game came out. Do I care? No, not at all. Is it true? Again, do I care? <laughs> they could come out. I mean, and then they'd come out, really. That's it. Unless I get them for free on PS Plus Premium, I don't really give a shit about them. Spence, you say PS Plus Premium, but in what Davey introduced, he said big budget reboots. So are we going to get a crazy taxi on the same level as Horizon? Is it going to be that sort of level? You get into the taxi and you've got this full fleshed out story between why you're taking this person from A to B. Bro, I drive for a living now. I still got to play Death Stranding. That's delivering packages as well. Crazy Taxi isn't on my isn't on my list, even if it's, you know, a sight to behold. I got to say, quite interestingly with this, uh, now, unlike you guys, I loved Crazy Taxi back in the day. I never owned a Dreamcast, but my cousin did. And so we used to play his Dreamcast all the time when I was growing up. Crazy Taxi is stuck in my memory solely because of the Offspring song. Yeah, 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 yeah. How that game starts. Amazing soundtrack. Amazing fun game. Proper arcade game. Just a really fun kind of pick up and play. And it was full of in-game advertisement. So you had to pick somebody up and take them to KFC or take them to Burger King or take them to all real life locations. So speaking about, you know, in-game advertising, that's kind of the perfect place where you can subsidize your development cost because you can have these kind of restaurants and different locations in something like this. When it comes to big budget, it's just a case of just making the city, the environment, the pedestrians, the cars as realistic as possible, or just making them with a really cool art style, but it's still being high big budget. And you could do that and Sega don't have the money that they used to have, even though they're getting a lot of money now from the new Sonic movie and stuff like that. They're nowhere near as powerful as they were back when they were doing the Dreamcast. I think this this is one of those good times where you could have some kind of clever product placement to really offset that cost of development, and it would make sense. Now, when it comes to Jet Set Radio, don't give a single shit about Jet Set Radio. It was trash. It was tragic at the time. Everyone really liked it. Proper cult status game. It was rubbish. People liked it because you could graffiti stuff. Grow up. Yeah, I was past that when I was 13. Just grow up. Trash game. Tragic. Not interested in that whatsoever. And if it, they put it out there, I'm telling you now, it will flop just like the remaster they did and nobody bought it. Sorry, facts are out there, guys. If you've got any problems with that, write into the email and let me know, psvtrust at gmail.com. Tell me why I'm wrong and I guarantee you I'll read it out and I will debunk everything you say because that game is tragically bad. So when I'm talking about in-game advertisement in this game... Do you think that could make sense when we're talking about the world of Crazy Taxi taking someone from one location to another? Do you think it makes sense? I mean, I think it definitely makes sense for this kind of game because obviously you're just driving around this supposedly real world. You have to go to different locations anyway. 
you may as well make them real life places and get some f extra moolah in the developers' wallets whilst you know whilst you're playing the game. It's the perfect place to have advertisements, and it just makes perfect sense. You could have billboards around the streets. You could have actual locations. You could have maybe bloody. You could drive Trump or someone to KFC, and whilst you're driving them, he can tell you about his campaign. That that sounds a bit too far. Next thing you'll be having Trump in God of War, and nobody wants that. That's a throwback to uh, 20 old school listeners when uh, Phil famously mentioned that Trump should be in God of War for some reason. Got remember how drunk we were at that time. <laughs> I think you answered your own question there, Davey. Very. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's all we got to say on this rumour. So let's move it on to the topics. Stop. Topic time. All right, lads. We're on to... The topics. And I am starting us off with our first topic of the evening. So boys, the topic I'm bringing to you is a PS5 buyer's guide. And by that, what I mean is, if someone were to get a PS5 right now, somehow they just magically find one. You know, they just fucking go Argos or Game or Amazon. They exist. Let's not be silly. But someone actually tries and they get one. I want to know what games you're going to be suggesting and screaming at them to play. Let's say three games. I want to know what your games are and why you're choosing them and why you think they're the best place to start. Phil, let's start with you. What are your games? Lay it on me. Okay. I kind of feel like my recommendations are going to be quite different to you two, so it's probably good that we start with me because I think your top three are probably very very similar i could probably name them and i'm sure our viewers and listeners could probably name them by now if they've listened to the last couple of episodes um for me um my three that i would be pleading you to buy uh would be the top three games that i've enjoyed uh when it comes to the ps5 and that would be ratchet and clank horizon forbidden west and of course death stranding director's cut those would be my top three. I think it's quite a well-rounded kind of list there. You've got something for everybody. Um, they're all big games. Death Stranding, obviously, um, it's a bit of an add-on um, from the PS4 edition. Uh, the other two games, uh, they're continuations uh, from previous series, well-loved, well-known in the PlayStation ecosystem. So these would be my top three. Uh, for someone buying a PlayStation, go into game, go into Tesco, I would say pick up these three games if you can. Pick up one of them, spend your time in them, try and get the Platinum, because I'm going for all three across these titles. Dave, mate, what about you? What are your three games for the audience? So my choices are going to be ones which aren't necessarily the best titles, but they're the ones that, that I believe are some of the standouts for the console so far. So my top choice, my number one most recommended choice, and the reason I chose this because I thought it wouldn't be on any of your guys' lists, is Sifu. So Sifu is my number one recommendation for somebody getting a PlayStation 5 because you're going to think about you know, Horizon, you're going to think about the games which are the, the big kind of, the big games that everyone's going to want to pick up when they get a PlayStation, and that's a great choice to start with. Sifu is a short experience, uh, 8 to 12 hours in length, depending on your skill, of course, it probably could be an infinite playtime if you, if you really suck at it, but it's just a great game. 
It's just a really fun game, start to finish. Not one ounce of fat on it. One of the best experiences I've had this year. Phenomenal game. My number two choice is Miles Morales. Spider-Man Miles Morales. I think that's a game for everyone. I think um, if you haven't played the last Spider-Man game, you don't need to. This is its own unique story. It follows Miles, obviously, as he kind of learns to become Spider-Man himself and stand out separate from Peter Parker. Fantastic game. It's the reason why we're seeing it on uh, on the charts every time we get more stock in. It's because it's a great place to start with the PlayStation 5. And it uses the features really, really well. And finally, my last choice, and this would come as no surprise to anybody, it is Returnal. Returnal is the game that was my game of the year last year and has only recently been replaced from that with Elden Ring. But seeing as you can't get Returnal on any other console, it is a PlayStation 5 exclusive. I thought it fit in perfectly here as being the kind of the first party offering from there that you can't get on PlayStation 4. Sifu's the indie, Miles is the everyman. And that, that's my list. What about yourself, Spence? Well, for my three games, I think, seeing as you've just got your PS5, I think you really want to learn how to appreciate your new console and just how perfect of a system it is. So the first game I'd recommend anyone play, and everyone should play when they have a PS5, is Astros. You should play Astros. Phenomenal game. Teaches you the history of PlayStation. It's fun throughout and really fills you in on just what that DualSense handset is capable of. It just shows you everything that you're going to be experiencing over the years with that controller and just how awesome it is and how different it is from every other handheld in history. Second game I'd recommend, not for everyone, but it's a fantastic game, is Demon Souls. And that's because it will show you the graphical power of the PS5, show you how good the games you're going to be playing are going to look. That game is still beautiful. I say still, it only came out on launch. But it is stunning. And as a launch title, it's just an easy game to get off the go. And I think if people give it the time it deserves, they'll love it. And you can just stare at that game. It is breathtaking. What an awesome game. And then the the third game I'd recommend, same as Philip Hoy, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and that will show you the power of the SSD. That rift mechanic they utilize in the game where you can just appear in different areas of the map and the world and just travel to different planets at like this, the pull of a whip, basically. It's insane. There's no load times whatsoever. It just all happens in real time. And I think if you want a PS5 and you want it to blow you away, those are the free games to do it. And those are the free games to make you think, fuck, this is the PS5. So boys, we've listed off all of our three games. And not gonna lie, I like your lists. I think they're they're pretty good games. Phil especially, we got one game, you know. I gotta like yours more because we said the same game. I think it's time. Maybe we collate our list and we come up with a definitive top three games to play on the PS5. So boys, I like your lists. I like my own. I think it's a good idea. Maybe we come together as a boy band and we form to create a unified top three games to play when you first get a PS5. What do you boys think? Do you like that idea? Should we? Yeah? I think that's really good, like a Power Rangers kind of thing. Will we all assemble together, you know, all like a Captain Planet thing, you know? Will we all just put our put our hands up there, 
and just, you know, wind, water, hot, and just get a list together. I think that's a great idea. And of course, remember, listeners, this isn't our top three games for the console. These are the ones that we think would be a great introduction to the PS5. Great place to start. So not necessarily the best. Just to put that out there, make that quite clear. So if, if we're coming across to me to start, I think looking at it, I think um, I think Phil's, Phil's list, we've got Horizon Forbidden West. I think that's a definite must. I think that's the best looking game on the console. So that's the one that when you get a, you shiny new console, you take it out of the wrapper, you want to show your mates what it's all about. That's the game you put in there to show them. Because that is that's the wow game. So I think that's a, def, a definite as far as I'm concerned. It has to be in that top three list. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, 100%. And I think we should stick with exclusives and, and PS5 exclusives. I don't think we should pick games that that possibly could be on other consoles. So unfortunately, I, I would like to exclude Miles um, purely because you could have that experience on PS4 and, and potentially um, who we're advising to buy a PlayStation 5 in these games, they might already have a PS4 and might have already played that game. So the, the emphasis really isn't there um, for buying that one when it comes to the PS5. Um, but definitely horizon forbidden west and that is why it's in my list because it is a stunning game um it is the best of the best at the moment for ps5 um i heavily recommend it i'm playing it through at the moment and i am addicted um everything about that game is incredible um i cannot emphasize how much i enjoy that game but there are some problems maybe we'll talk about that next when i give it a 9 out of 10 rating um but i think it's a must-have for a playstation 5 owner I was going to say, if we're following that logic, does that mean that Sifu is excluded as well? Because Sifu is available on PC. Oh. Oh. We're excluding that too, are we? Okay. All right. We can. We can take it off the list if you want to. Uh, we can do it. We can take it off. Take it off, boys. Rip my list apart. That's fine. I'm just saying, what does Sifu really bring? Right? It's an incredible experience. You loved it. But what on the PS5 really makes it sing compared to something like Ratchet & Clank where it takes advantage of every single thing that the PS5 has got on offer? It's a showcase. The haptic feedback in that game and the noise coming through your, your handset is awesome. It is so good, man. Honestly, Spencer was what I'm about. You smack somebody in that game and you just feel it. It's so good. It's a it's a better game than Ratchet, to be honest. Hands down, it's a way better game. I can't imagine, right? I run down on Christmas morning. I open up my PS5, and what have I got? Some indie game that I've never heard of from a series that's new to me. No, mate. I, 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 I would argue against that being in the top three games that we recommend to people. Spence, you're the deciding vote on this one. Oh, we've been off or no? Yeah, you've been off, mate. I can imagine Phil going down on Christmas and he's like, Mum, what the fuck is this? I asked for Horizon. <laughs> and she's like, I, 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 look, they told me it was really good. They said the haptics were so good. Mum, <laughs> I've got it on PC. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. So from my list, the only one that remains on there is Returnal. Now, I think Returnal is a standout when it comes to how it uses the triggers. I think how it uses its adaptive controls are incredible. Its difficulty is probably a bit of a gatekeeper to it, if I'm honest with you. But now they've added the co-op campaign, it does make things a little bit easier. But I think the sound quality, 
Uh, the 3D audio on that is a really standout feature, uh, as is the 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 part the particle effects are just out of this world on that game. When things are flying towards you and the music's ramping and you can hear things from all different directions, you've got the sound of of the rain and the patter of the rain all going all down your your handset. It does do quite a lot to show off the console, and it hits your criteria that it's a PlayStation exclusive. Would you guys be happy that being on the list, or would you prefer it to be something else? I'd agree with it being on the list. I think it meets those expectations that I would have coming into um, PlayStation 5. I want something to blow me away. And I think the graphics, um, the way the game is structured, uh, definitely ticks those boxes. And hard games are very much in vogue these days, right? We don't know the skill level someone's coming in at uh, when buying this PS5. You want something to challenge you. And I think on our list, we need one of those games. And that and that should be Returnal in my, in my mind, rather than something like demon souls potentially well demon souls i suppose is available on playstation 3 in its original form so i don't know if you want to if you want to take that leap of logic spence is losing his mind to that he's not happy with that one at all it's a remake (laughs) they remade the game look at a picture of demon souls on ps5 next to ps3 tell me they're the same game yeah yeah that's that's very true that's very true i think out of what we got left, if I had a choice for what we got left out of there, I think I'd be torn. I'd be torn between Astros or or Ratchet, if I'm honest, because um, Astros, I mean, uh, to be fair, can you really say, can we even include Astros? It's on the PlayStation 5 as a default, so they're going to get that anyway. I don't think we can really include it, right? I would say yes, because some people, when they get the PS5, don't play it. <laughs> Phil. The way I come back to you here, Spence, is that both of us have chosen Ratchet and Clank, so I think it's included in our list by default, purely because it's it, it's on our lists, right? So Davey hasn't really got a leg to stand on. So in my mind, and, and this was the list that I was sort of edging towards anyway, and I, I'm sure I've set you guys up by putting a couple of stipulations into how I built this list, but I, I would have gone Horizon Forbidden West, Ratchet and Clank, and Returnal as three quite varied games, three very impressive games, three exclusive games to PlayStation 5, and three, in my opinion, must-play, must-try games. I think that's a great list. I'm really happy with that, to be honest with you, Phil. And I think for somebody who's just getting a PlayStation, it's a great place to just begin and to start off from there and move on to the rest of the great experiences that are on the platform. But you certainly got something to show off your mates, that's for damn sure. It just goes to show how many quality titles we have on PlayStation that we're arguing about a top three this early into the development cycle of PlayStation 5. There is so many games. There's literally, well, there isn't nine games in that list, but there's a lot of games there that are absolute quality. And if you picked any game in that list, you're not going to be disappointed. Right, guys, we are on to our final topic And the final topic of tonight is movies and video games. Do we need them crossing over? That's the headline. Spence, I'm going to come to you first because I know you are a massive fan of that absolutely terrible movie from the game we cannot mention. You loved it. We went to the cinema. Me and Davey were cursing it all the way through after the first five minutes. You loved it. Do you like video game movies? It's a very broad question because 
I loved it. I did. I'm not going to pretend I didn't. But I loved it for the wrong reasons. I by no way thought that that was a good film. But I thought as a comedy, it was fantastic. And the references they put in, yeah, good job. Well done for including them. But all in the wrong places, in the wrong situations, and just... They were, they were like, oh, how could we get the fans to love this? Oh, let's, let's put the keys in from the game we can't mention too. Oh, okay, so in the game, they used in, in the RPD. Like, okay, fuck that. Let's not do that. Someone has to, I'm not going to spoil the film, because I'm sure we have a lot of the game we can't mention fans who probably haven't, haven't seen the film. They don't get used there, so that's spoilers enough. But someone has them that shouldn't have them, and they get used somewhere else where they shouldn't get used, and we were just watching it, and all of us laughed. I don't think the viewing figures were very high at the box office, so there's probably quite a, quite a high majority listening to the podcast that's never seen this movie. Spencer, be very careful. I will, I will. And so to let us know, I did just buy this movie on Blu-ray the other day. It was £10, so you know it was at least worth £10 to me. If you find bad movies funny, like I do, it's worth your time. Okay, Davey, I'm going to come over to you. Um, we're not necessarily speaking about the game that kind of we mentioned, movies. Um, I know you're not a fan of those, um, but I'm talking about video game movies in general. Um, have you been a fan? Yes and no. There's certain ones that I've really enjoyed, and then most of them I've hated. So the ones I've really enjoyed, if I think back over my years, the first two Mortal Kombat movies are great. I really, really enjoyed them. I thought they were fantastic. I think it's just Mortal Kombat and then I think it might be Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I think that's what it's called. Love both of those. I think they're a class. The Street Fighter movie, that's always a good time. That's a terrible movie, but it is a good time. And the Silent Hill movie is actually a good movie which really surprised me. I went into that, into the cinema, really low expectations, and came away quite satisfied with it. thought it was a really unique take on the, on the series, and it had enough callbacks in there, and kind of followed the gen- general basic plot. It wasn't bang on, it wasn't actually accurate, but it was close. And I thought, oh, do you know what? I could I could go with this adaption. So yes, I think, in a certain light, I am a fan of them. For the majority case, No. I am not a fan of them. But there are the occasional glimmers of light in there. Oh, and I suppose you could put the Sonic movie in there as well. I really enjoyed that. Great film. I think for me, when I was younger and I was going to the cinema or, you know, we we had a copy of a tape somehow uh, and my dad brought home the Street Fighter movie or brought home the Mortal Kombat movie, I absolutely loved them, regardless of how good the movie was, because I was a child. I was just happy that there was a video game character in a movie. The Mario Brothers movie. That was so good when I was a kid. But you watch that now. It just doesn't translate. I think with age, I've definitely soured on video game movies. Although I'm always excited for the game that cannot be mentioned whenever they release a new movie. I was so excited to see Welcome to Raccoon City and they absolutely butchered it. I do enjoy the Mila Djokovic movies. But overall, when it comes to video game movies, no. I just know what I'm expecting, and the bar is pretty low. Okay, guys. There's a butt-ton of video game movies coming, and they're still making them. 
They haven't learned their lesson. I'm looking down this list. We got Borderlands. We got Gears of War. We got Ghost of Tsushima. We've even got a Portal movie coming out. Spence, are you excited for any of these future video game movies? Let me have it. I mean, bro, I'm looking at this list. Sonic 3. (laughs) But that's just because Sonic 1 was phenomenal and Sonic 2 is supposed to be really good. I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure that'll be great. So I can't imagine the third one being bad. There's a Space Invaders movie on that list. I'd like to know what they're going to do with that. Because... I don't know how far the lore of Space Invaders goes, but I don't think it's all that deep. But I might be mistaken. Oh, and a Just Dance movie. I'd love to see where they take that as well. It might just be Step Up, the the game, the movie. Who knows? But from this list, I don't give a shit about video game movies. Okay, Davey. I've looked at this list, and there's one movie there that probably jumps out to you. What's going to happen with that movie? You are, of course, talking about the Metal Gear Solid movie. Now, as far as we know, Oscar Isaac is supposed to be playing Solid Snake, which is an amazing actor to have. Spoiler alert, he should be playing Liquid Snake as well, seeing as they are twins. So I imagine he'll be playing both. It'd be pretty weird if he wasn't, to be honest. Can't imagine him with blonde, long hair, though. That'd be a bit of a weird one. But out of all the games that are on this list, and there's a couple that haven't been mentioned here... You know, there's the Minecraft movie, uh, Rapids movie, good God, my son would probably love that. Streets of Rage, Saints Row, Yakuza, and another Tomb Raider entry. Out of all these games that we've mentioned so far, this is the only one that I would be incredibly worried about how they do. Because the plot of Metal Gear is actually really convoluted. So, we talked about how Welcome to Raccoon City butchered the game series that can't be mentioned which is quite a straightforward plot in the first two anyway. Metal Gear is like 25 hours worth of cutscenes telling you what's going on. How do you condense that into a two-hour movie? I have literally no idea. I, I don't know. I mean, you'd literally have to have the plot be Snake goes in, somehow gets told that Liquid's his brother. I, I, honestly, I don't, I don't even know where I'd begin with it. The scale would be really good, and you could do some really interactive stuff. But good God, I don't know how the hell you translate that one. I'll tell you what they need to do, Davey. They need to go back, because we condensed the original Metal Gear into one hour and 29 minutes when we did a spoiler cast. That's what they need to start, because we touched on every one of the highlights when it came to that video game. And that's what they need to follow. They just need to follow the game verbatim. Step by step, let's not miss a beat, and let's translate that, in my opinion. All I know is that would be rough to do. I'd love to see it. I would absolutely love to see it, but I'd be very concerned. Very concerned. Yeah, of course, and I think that's something that historically movie producers have struggled with, translating video games because of the length of the narrative into a compact, interesting movie. Um... But of course, on the horizon now, we have certain games being transitioned into series. So this could be a series of 10 episodes. It could be longer. Series can go on infinitely if they're popular enough. And one of those series is that through the rumor mill, we've heard that they're 
possibly going to be doing in the future is The Last of Us. And I know, Spence, you're a massive fan of that. So how do you think they're going to translate that into a series? And do you think the choice to move that away from a movie and translate that into a TV series, is that is that a better choice? Is that a better way of translating a video game for you? I think TV shows are the golden standard. I think all video games, if they ever get turned into any sort of, well, any form of entertainment that isn't video games, I think TV shows are the way they should be done. You have so much more room to play with with a TV show. You're not confined to a two-hour experience. You can stretch it out as long as you want, as many seasons as you want. You can choose which arc of the story you want to contain in which season. I'm sure you can do that with movies as well. But I find, especially with the movie I mentioned earlier, Welcome to Raccoon City, they tried to include too much into one movie. Whereas with a TV show, you can definitely include a lot more and you can span it out. You can pace it a lot better. I think it's just easier to budget, easier to do, and easier to just involve everything you want to involve. And in terms of The Last of Us, because that's supposedly being made by HBO, I think it's the perfect way to bring Last of Us to the big screen. And I I can't wait to see it. I hope they don't butcher it. I think video games going to TV shows is the logical step. And I hope that is what they do in the future. Similar to like the game that can't be mentioned. Obviously, they've done loads of movies. And now Netflix is bringing out a TV show for the franchise. I'm hoping that lets them contain a lot more of the video game. But they did an animated series not long ago. It was dog shit. Actually atrocious. And I just hope they give this franchise the attention and detail it deserves. And also just kind of the layout it deserves. Because they keep trying to make it action. And I feel like it shouldn't be action. Make it horror. But even then, TV show is the better format for a video game, in my opinion. Much better than movies ever could be. Spence, you know what? I completely agree with you on that. I think TV is the logical place that games can make more sense because you just get that extra time. And we all know that, you know, with a two-hour or three-hour movie, you can tell quite a lot in that. And when you're doing like a book adaption, movies make sense because a lot of the descriptions, you don't need that because you can see that in the set design. You can see that in the way the world's built, right? So you can you can really kind of summarize a book down. And even if you tell it over multiple movies, like, for example, the last Harry Potter did, where it's told it over two movies to get that book out there because it's a big book, that makes sense. With a game, you know, if you're talking about something that's got like a 20-odd hour, that's a massive amount to be able to take that much level of detail and lore, which isn't described to you, it's shown to you on screen just like a movie is. So how do you do that and condense it down to its rawest parts? No one's going to be totally happy with that that's a fan of it. Now, my problem with this, right, with this whole discussion, is always around the case that I just don't think that games need to pursue this avenue. I really don't. Because the thing about it is, years ago in the 90s, when games were being transitioned over into being movies, like with Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, Mario, things like that, the difference between the gaming industry and the movie industry was was monumental. There was a huge difference between the two. Now. Gaming actually makes more money than Hollywood brings in. Gaming's a, a bigger industry now than movies is. 
So whereas before it was like the way to get your thing out into the mainstream, now it's just like an extra little cash converter than anything else. It's not really essential. Now there is a problem with this view, and that is that we got we got evidence that the Witcher games went on to sell a lot more in Witcher 3 after the Witcher TV series. So it did have an impact on its overall sales. But for me, I don't think this is the same prestige factor that it used to be back in the 90s. And I wish that they would just realize that what they're making in their own form factor of media is good enough to stand on its own. You don't need to be chasing this TV ghost or this movie ghost to try and make your series legitimized to all the 60 and 70 year old grandmas they're out there and don't play PlayStation. Who gives a shit? It's a tiny market compared to your looking after your IP and making sure that it's the best it can be, which is going to be in a gaming format. That's just my take on it anyway. So as video game fans, we are passionate about our IP. We eat, sleep and breathe our fandom. And when a director comes along and doesn't pay that type of attention, in my opinion, it just feels cheap. Take, for example, the Dragon Ball movie. Davey, how did you feel about that? Hurt? Devastated. Like I was just saying, you've got to protect your IP. And to see something that you love so much be translated and botched in such a way that it's insulting to your eyes. That your eyes physically want to leave your body and go up your arsehole to escape whatever torture you just put them through. One of the worst things I've ever seen in my life, Phil. And it haunts me to this day. And for me, it's exactly the same with the Transformer movies. I hate Michael Bay. I'm calling him out. If he wants to step into a boxing ring, I'm there. Set that up, boys. And does anyone actually like those movies? In my opinion, and what you were saying, Davey, it just devalues the brand. Let a game be a game. They don't need to be anything else. They really don't. I think it's the odd exception where it makes like a perfect sense to adapt it, maybe like a walk-in simulator or or something of that nature, right? Something where it's very tight, kind of story-driven thing. You can translate that quite easily, I think. But as soon as you start going into something with, you know, 20-odd hour runtime or whatever, or a lot of lore-rich files, how do you translate that to the audience and it still be impactful? It's a tightrope to walk and not one that I personally am interested in in them taking. You said walking simulator there, Davey. My eyebrow twitched. Are you hinting that there's going to be a Death Stranding movie? Because I'm already in. No, and that is that is certainly one that would not translate. Do you know how bad that would be? It barely translates to gaming. The amount of people that don't like it because of what it is at the moment where you're fighting invisible things and walking around just throwing piss at invisible things, it barely translates into a game, mate. Let alone seeing Norman Reedus flounced around in mud talking about bts that's always your go-to about piss and I, I i feel like you you undermine what kojima was uh trying to do there but anyway what i was going to say is the walking dead's finished now he needs a new project to work on it's perfect if we're going to bring this to netflix set it up guys don't do it netflix just just don't do it it's not going to work it's not it's not going to work I would love to hear what you think about this, guys. Um, so make sure to 
put your video game recommendations in the comments. If you want these adapted to movies, if you want these adapted to TV series, let's start the discussion. Um, you can join me on Reddit. Uh, the URL will be in the description. I'll be creating a thread uh, for this podcast. So make sure to jump in. Let me know your feelings on what games should be adapted. You can write into us on the email, psvtrust at gmail.com. And you can reach out to us on Twitter at mpswtrust or any of our individual Twitter accounts, which will also be in the description below. And remember, guys, if you want to support the show, the best way of doing it is by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice. Of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, then hello. Pleasure to have you here. Remember to put a like on the video if you've enjoyed it and subscribe to the channel for new episodes every two weeks. Now, this has been In PS We Trust, a PlayStation podcast, episode 41. Thank you ever so much for listening up to this point. Really appreciate each and every single one of you. My name's Davey. I've been Phil. And I've been Spencer. Take care, guys. Peace! In PS We Trust is hosted by Davey, Phil, and Spencer. You can write into the show via our email, pswetrust at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at In PS We Trust. To find each of us online, follow our Twitters at SSJDavy, at PhilipHoy, at SpenPi underscore. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. See ya.